again and welcome to everyone joining me today for episode two of Live Action Remake, your source for movie, TV news, reviews, and recommendations. Now, my name is Diego Roman, and before we get started, I wanted to talk about why I didn't drop this episode with episode one. I had just finished episode one, and frankly, it took a lot out of me just to figure out how to set all this stuff up, how to edit, how to record that. I know it was just a half an hour, but it felt like forever to me. And when I was done with it, I was just so excited to get it out into the world. I decided to just screw it. Let's release it kind of like a beta to see what people would think about it. And you all did not disappoint. Thank you so much for all of your kind messages, feedback, subscriptions, and even offers to come on the show. I didn't expect that at all. Uh, if you do really want to come on the show, please message me, talk to me about it. I would love to hear your thoughts on what you want to talk about. And that's never out of the question. I hope we can connect more like this in the future. And really, at the end of the day, that's all I really want to do is talk to you guys and connect with you all about films and TV, things that I can actually relate to. <laughs> um, so yeah, thank you so much. Now, this episode... I'm very excited about because I finally get to talk Marvel news. Now, if you know me, you know that I am a ridiculously huge Marvel fan. I have all the memorabilia, Funko Pops. Uh, I have too many shirts, you know, and there has been so much news in the last month. I decided to just make this all one big episode instead of putting it with my first episode. So if you're looking for other general movie news, uh, I have that episode. Feel free to check it out. It's episode one. But now I'm going to dive into everything that is Marvel. So I'm going to talk about some trailers, some new casting, uh, a couple of theories I have about news, and, of course, a couple of recommendations. So why don't we jump right in and get started. Marvel has released the first trailer for WandaVision coming to Disney Plus this year as the only thing coming from the MCU this year, uh, November 27th. Now, this date is still heavily rumored. It has not yet been confirmed, but it's been rumored by several different sources, so I stand by that WandaVision will be coming November 27th. Now, if you watch this trailer, it just looks bonkers. There is so much to unpack, starting with what the heck is going on. Um... There is a heavy mystery element as to where they are, why they can't remember what's going on, and why they're traveling through different eras of sitcoms like The Brady Bunch, Full House, I Love Lucy. Are they being Truman showed? Is this Wanda unable to control her abilities, or is this a third party at play? Uh, I'm not sure, and... As a Marvel fan, it's very refreshing to see something that I was not expecting at all. Even with Endgame, which had a couple of fantastic surprises. I generally knew that they would be time traveling because of the quantum realm and hints and ideas and theories. It made a lot of sense that they would be going to the quantum realm. I can't tell you where WandaVision is going with this. Marvel seems to be ready to pull the rug out from under us and that excites me a lot 
Agatha Harkness is likely the villain of this show. She has been heavily rumored for a long time, and Catherine Hahn is in the show as some kind of witch. So that basically confirms this. For those of you who don't know, Agatha Harkness is a witch who teaches Wanda how to use her abilities a lot more effectively. And that excites me because that means Wanda's going to be getting a power upgrade. And if you saw Endgame, she's already basically confirmed to be the strongest Avenger. Uh, if you disagree with me, feel free to email me. I'm down to argue Marvel all the time. Uh, the costumes in this look fantastic. I don't know if you guys are a fan of costuming or old-timey fashion, but Paul Bettany and Elizabeth Olsen are rocking all of their different era looks. They even are able to pull off their old comic book costumes uh, their OG looks. Vision is wearing like a almost a green suit that you can get at like Party City. <laughs> and it is just a callback to their original costumes in the comics. And they pull it off for Halloween. So I love when Marvel does that. They did a similar thing for Luke Cage on the Netflix show. So that's very funny. Uh, Monica Rambeau is in this. Now, if you don't know who Monica Rambeau is, uh, she was a character from Captain Marvel. She was seen as a little girl, the daughter of Maria Rambeau, Captain Marvel's friend, possibly a couple. I, I They heavily hinted it, but they never really doubled down on the fact that they are a couple. So uh, Monica Rambeau is being played older as Tiana Paris. And in the comics, Monica Rambeau is Photon, which is like a replacement character for Captain Marvel. So I think like with every other Marvel character, they kind of plant the seeds of if this character goes away, we have another one. Kind of like Anthony Mackie and Sebastian Stan when Captain America was possibly ending. They already had those characters lined up to be the next Captain America if need be. So I think uh, they put her there just to be like, if Brie Larson ever decides to end after like a couple of movies, we'll have another one. But she is already older and she always seems to be working for what I believe is S.W.O.R.D. Uh, the new shield for the Disney Plus and all of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Uh, Darcy Lewis from Thor The Dark World is also in this show, which is weird because I don't think anyone was a huge fan of Thor The Dark World. <laughs> and bringing back a character from that movie, if anyone, I'm glad it's Darcy. Uh, Kat Dennings is hilarious. But it's just an interesting choice. And Randall Park as Jimmy Woo is coming back from Ant-Man and the Wasp. Uh, if you like Ant-Man and the Wasp and his uh, comedy, I think you'll enjoy this one, hopefully. He is uh, a great actor, so I'm excited for the cast. It's a really diverse cast of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And yeah, I don't know what they're going with, where they're going with this. Will this show lead into mutants? And will this show lead into the multiverse? I think those are both strong possibilities because in the comics, Wanda is able to start House of M by saying no more mutants, uh, which causes a chain reaction which turns the world into a world with no mutants, what it would look like. So what if Wanda did the opposite? She is the only member of the X-Men and was once a member of the Brotherhood of Mutants in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. She just was not given the name of mutant so if she's able to create them could she then change the world to incorporate the x-men 
to incorporate Magneto and the Brotherhood of Mutants. I hope so, because that is the only logical way I can think of how to bring in the X-Men. Is this playing into the multiverse? That is also a possibility, because this show is supposed to tie in directly into Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. Is Wanda in a different dimension right now? Has she created her own? Or is none of that a possibility? Is this all a Truman Show type situation? Is this all in Wanda's head? There are so many different possibilities for this show. And when they twist it and we all see, oh, that's what it is. I hope none of us expected it. I really do. The other show that is coming out that you may have probably not heard of is Marvel's Hellstrom, which is coming out a lot sooner, October 16th, on Hulu. And there will likely not be a sequel to this show, and it is likely not to be part of the main MCU timeline, much like Agent Carter and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which kind of diverged away from the original timeline. And it was set to be connected to a Ghost Rider series that was not picked up by Marvel Television, starring Gabriel Luna, which is the show I was more excited about. But Hellstrom is supposed to be around uh, two siblings who are trying to solve a mystery and stop the worst of mankind, and their mom might be a Satan worshiper and their dad might be the devil. It looks very generic. It looks like if Supernatural wasn't good. And this show doesn't even have the Marvel logo on it because Marvel Television was shut down and folded into Marvel Studios. So this show is kind of a weird anomaly in between the transition between Marvel Television and Marvel Studios. It is a new mutants, but of TV. And it doesn't excite me at all. If you want to watch the trailer, go for it. The show is coming out in October. It has a horror element, a supernatural element. Maybe you would like it. If you do, let me know. Maybe I'll end up watching it. But this is the first Marvel show that... I'm probably not even going to start, if I'm going to be frank with you. It's not even a character I'm particularly interested in. It looks very generic. But let me know if you think otherwise, and let me know if you want to see WandaVision like I do. Now we are moving on to casting news, starting with Miss Marvel. Miss Marvel has finally been casted. Iman Viani, a relative newcomer, uh, is getting her own MCU series in likely 2022. Uh, she is a Canadian actress who was a member of the TIFF Next Wave Committee at the 2019 Toronto Film Festival uh, for aspiring filmmakers, writers, and actors. Fun fact about her, she has a review page, and on her reviews for Captain Marvel, she put two stars but these stars are not for Brie Larson, I'll die for her, or something along those lines. I found that, I thought that was a very fun fact. Uh, she is a very newcomer, but Marvel has been very great about casting their heroes, particularly, so I have full faith that she will be phenomenal. Miss Marvel is a character I'm very excited to see live action. She is a relatively new character, for those of you who don't know. She is a Pakistani Muslim uh, superhero 
who aspires to be like Captain Marvel. She is her biggest fan. So she decides to take up the mantle as Miss Marvel, Captain Marvel's former uh, name as a superhero. Uh, she has the ability to embiggen, uh, to shrink herself, to make her arms uh, bigger, uh, kind of like Mr. Fantastic, probably a lot stronger. She has recently been in the Marvel Avengers game as the main character. Uh, she shows up a lot in animation, and she has been huge in the Marvel Comics world. So finally bringing her to the big screen makes the most sense to me. I am the most excited about this show as far as their original shows with characters that have not already been in the MCU. Uh, Moon Knight and She-Hulk are also coming out. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more about She-Hulk in a little bit, but let's move on to Electro. <laughs> For those of you who have not heard, Electro will be returning in Spider-Man 3, portrayed by Jamie Foxx. Now, if that sounds weird to you, it's because Electro was never in the Homecoming Spider-Man universe. He was in the Amazing Spider-Man universe as the main villain. He was actually the main villain of the film that got that franchise canceled. So many people don't really like his Electro. I am a huge defender of his Electro. I think Jamie Foxx got a bad script, but he did the most with it. And he was definitely wasted in that role. He has an amazing voice, an amazing score in that movie. And the visuals do look a little funny, him being blue, but he's phenomenal in the movie. So having him return to fight Tom Holland is an interesting choice, but one that I am excited about. Uh, there, This brings up a lot of questions, though. Is this the multiverse? Like I talked about earlier with WandaVision, has Electro somehow come from the multiverse, from the Amazing Spider-Man universe? Or has Jamie Foxx just been reprising his role in a different universe the same way J.K. Simmons did with J. Jonah Jameson? That is a possibility. There is something I want to bring up, though, that this sets. And that is that Marvel can take from other superhero movies now that they've had in the past, especially for Spider-Man. And so I believe if they are bringing in Electro... I don't see why they wouldn't bring in someone from the Sam Raimi universe, uh, the original Tobey Maguire movies. So I recommend they bring in Dr. Octopus, played by Alfred Molina, and Sandman, who I can't put my name on the actor, but those two were the best parts of the original Sam Raimi trilogy as far as the villains go. I know a lot of people like Green Goblin and William Dafoe. He's great, but he's in Aquaman now, so I don't know if they can touch him. I don't know what the Marvel DC contract thing is. I assume they can't be in the same universe if they are in too big of a part. So, yeah, let me know what you guys think about the universe. I think they're setting up the Sinister Six, which they have been talking about for the longest time, the Sinister Six. And Mysterio, Vulture, Electro, Sandman, Dr. Octopus, those are all main members. Shocker and Scorpion have also been in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They can take any one of those characters, any six of those characters, and 
turn that into Spider-Man's greatest enemies and make a squad like that that Tom Holland would have to face alone on the run because now everyone knows his identity everyone will be coming after him I think it makes the most sense to do the Sinister Six if they're bringing in Jimmy Fox and Electro this also begs the question was this a Marvel Studios move or was this a Sony move because Sony has a bad tendency of trying to bring in characters from their Sony Marvel Universe into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Does that mean Jared Leto's Morbius will be in this movie? Does that mean Tom Hardy's Venom will be in this movie? If so, I hope it's just Venom because Morbius does not look good. And Tom Hardy's Venom, however you feel about the movie, we all have to agree that Tom Hardy is the definitive Venom. Topher Grace can... No, absolutely not. Uh, email me if you like Topher Grace. I'd like to fight about it. <laughs> um, our next casting news is Jonathan Majors has been casted in Ant-Man 3 uh, as the main villain, King the Conqueror. Not only will King the Conqueror be the villain of Ant-Man 3, he will likely be the villain of the next phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, taking over a Thanos-like situation. For those of you who don't know Jonathan Majors, he has a show right now called Lovecraft Country, uh, where he is getting acclaimed for it. I have actually never seen the show, but I've heard only good things. So I'm excited about the casting, but I'm more excited about the character King the Conqueror. He is a time traveler uh, from the future who has a plethora of technology. He has uh, war vessels. He is ahead of his time and his time is the future so he is an incredibly powerful enemy and making him the next phase villain makes the most sense because once you introduce time travel into a franchise how do you make time travel come back to haunt you and king of the conqueror is the perfect answer to that question and hopefully he cuts ties with time travel because it was good for one movie, but if they have it throughout the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe, there will be no consequences for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And there needs to be consequences in order for there to be stakes. That's just writing 101. So King of the Conqueror is going to be the next villain. Keep your eye out for him. And of Ant-Man 3, which is a real big upgrade from Ghost and Yellow Jacket as far as villains for Paul who had to fight. So... <laughs> I'm excited to see that. Let's go. Uh, oh, and Evangeline Lilly as well. Paul Rudd and Evangeline Lilly will be fighting him as well. So, my bad. Um, Tatiana Maslany has been casted as She-Hulk in the upcoming Disney Plus show. Uh, for those of you who don't know, She-Hulk is uh, Hulk's cousin who is a lawyer and breaks the fourth wall. She needed a blood transfusion at one point because she was about to die and the only one who could give it to her was Bruce Banner, so she becomes uh, the She-Hulk. Uh, she is much more like Professor Hulk in the sense where she can function as a human being, but she is also a Hulk-like person. And she is much like Deadpool. Like I said, she breaks the fourth wall. She's a very comedic character. She always broke the fourth wall, fourth wall in the comic books. She did that, I'd say, before Deadpool. And Tatiana Maslany has been acclaimed for her show Orphan Black. Now, I have not seen this show as well. 
let me know if you have I'm very excited to start it uh, in order to see her acting abilities but as far as the Marvel fan base is going people have been ecstatic about this casting I I don't know much about her like I've said but uh, I trust my fellow Marvel fans who are pretty excited about her so let me know what you think about these castings let me know if you think that they are going into the multiverse for Spider-Man and let me know whether you like Topher Grace as Venom because if you do we're gonna argue and I'd love to have an argument about it let's go now we're going on to delays Falcon and the Winter Soldier gets pushed back to 2021 it was set to come out this summer and it was supposed to be the first Disney Plus series but now WandaVision will be our first Disney Plus series it is centered around Falcon and Winter Soldier taking up the mantle that Captain America has left behind and facing off against an enemy who the government is trying to push as the new Captain America, the US agent. It's a show I'm very excited about. And in some slightly different news about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Batroc the Leaper, who was in Captain America the Winter Soldier, portrayed by George St. Pierre, the real-life UFC fighter, is returning for the show. Uh, if you guys don't remember him, he was the guy who stole the boat that Captain America came on to fight him one-on-one. -on -one. It was probably one of my favorite fights in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and just to see more of him will be really interesting. He was not a match for Captain America. He may be a match for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, so let, we'll see how that goes. Uh, in other delays, Black Widow moves to May 7th. It was said to come out in November, and I was so excited for Black Widow. I've been excited for Black Widow, but now we are going to have to wait till next year, so that is a whole year that Black Widow got pushed back in total. Uh, Shang-Chi moves to July 9th, which is relatively short because it was set to premiere in March, and now it's only a few months back. And Eternals also moves back an entire year to November 5th, 2021. So far, Spider-Man 3 has not been delayed and still stays in its December 17th spot in 2021, but keep an eye on that. That may change. Um, you know, if we're looking on the silver lining, at the very least, there will be a lot of Marvel movies next year. So that'll be pretty cool. On to a new show that is going to be coming out that has been announced, the Nick Fury Show. On Disney Plus with Samuel L. Jackson reprising his role. It was going to be written and produced by Kyle Bradstreet, who you may know as the writer and producer of Mr. Robot. I don't know where they're going with this show. There has been very little news about it other than that it's coming out. Uh, I hope that it is set in the present because Nick Fury is in space. Nick Fury in space, like what else do you need from a show? I hope they grab some stuff from comic book Nick Fury, like the LMDs. If you guys don't know, he has a lot of robots that look just like him. So he can be talking to you, but he's probably not talking to you. Or he could be fighting you, but it's probably not him. He's in a room somewhere figuring out what to do next. <laughs> and he's very sneaky like that. He's a spy. And Samuel L. Jackson, of course, is fantastic. So... I'm excited to see where the show goes. If you're not a fan of Mr. Robot, also check that out on Amazon Prime. Uh, it is great writing, uh, great acting. So 
We'll see where that goes. There's also a possibility, of course, that it goes prequel route and goes to uh, young Nick Fury because they did all of that in Captain Marvel and they can dive into that more. Another idea I had was that this could be a continuation of the best parts of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. This could be a great way for them to take the characters that we all love from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the ones like Phil Coulson and Quake and maybe the Cavalry, uh, Deathlock even, if they wanted to dive into those characters, Flint, some Yo-Yo, the big Marvel characters that were on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and bring them in to the main Marvel timeline. That would be really cool for me. If you guys haven't seen Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., check it out. Uh, it's seven seasons. It's a very good show. But that would be a cool way to incorporate them back into the Marvel Cinematic Universe because the timeline did change for that. So we'll see where that show goes. I'm excited to watch it. I'm a big Samuel L. Jackson fan. Let's hope it's good. Now... Before I move on, I also wanted to bring up some sad news that came out last month. Many of you probably already know this. For those of you who don't know, uh, Chadwick Boseman did pass away of cancer just a few months ago. Uh, it very much breaks my heart. He was probably the best actor in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, the one who put the most effort into the role and the one who understood how important his role was and took it very seriously. He loved his fans. He always showed respect and kindness. He displayed a great amount of love and humanity that I it's hard for me to speak about, to be honest. Black Panther growing up was my second favorite superhero. I am a big Spider-Man fan, but... I understood the relevance and what he represented and as a person of color it was something incredible for me to see him be a, an amazing superhero in comic books and then on the big screen and it just sucks it really does I, I love the character I don't know what Marvel's gonna do next but he lost a great person so I just wanted to bring that up I don't want to gloss over it because that is huge Marvel news because he was a huge part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe so Wakanda forever and may he rest in peace so like my last episode I wanted to end on a recommendation which is hard with Marvel because most people have seen all the good Marvel stuff, and if you haven't watched it, it may be something that is not for you, which is understandable. Uh, so I had to find a show that I thought everyone could enjoy, or at least a lot of people can enjoy, and one that people have not seen for one reason or another. And the show that came to mind was Marvel's Agent Carter. It is so underrated. It stars Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter, reprising her role from the movies as she fights within the SSR, helping Howard Stark trying to clear his name, and fighting everyday sexism with the help of Howard Stark's butler, Edwin Jarvis, who you may know as J 
Jarvis, the AI butler. Now, he's not actually Jarvis the butler. He is actually, uh, he's not actually Jarvis the AI system. He is Jarvis the butler who raises Tony Stark, who will become the mold for Jarvis the AI system that Tony will eventually create. So the actor is British. He is very fun and plays off with Haley Atwell very well. And he was actually in Avengers Endgame. He is the only character to make the transition from the TV series to film, only for a brief moment, but it was a great cameo. The show is no longer MCU main timeline canon because Captain America, as you may know, in Avengers Endgame, uh, ends up with Haley Atwell, so uh, with Peggy Carter. So the show technically doesn't exist in this timeline. However, that doesn't make the show any less good. Haley Atwell's phenomenal. The action's phenomenal. Uh, it's very grounded. There is more sci-fi elements in the second season. It does have several connections to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So if you're a fan of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you should be a fan of Agent Carter. They bring back the Howling Commandos. They talk about the person who Peggy Carter would have ended up with if it wasn't for Steve. Well, no, I'm just kidding. I love them coming back together. But... It's a fantastic show, and Haley Atwell gets what she deserves in the show. You know, she deserved a whole TV series to herself. It only ran for two seasons. It should have been at least four or five, in my opinion. But I think when they figured out what they were going to do with Endgame, they decided they needed to put an end to Agent Carter before people get too attached to that story. So check it out. It's a great show. Highly recommended. That's pretty much all I have for you guys today. If you guys listened through the whole episode, again, thank you so much for supporting this. Uh, this is still a passion project of mine. I'm still getting better at it. Hopefully this episode sounds a lot better than the first episode. I hope you guys learned something. Let me know if you guys are excited about any of these. If you watched the trailer for WandaVision. If you like Topher Grace's Venom, uh, fight me. Let's go. Uh... And let me know what you think about these casting moves, too. I, I'm so excited for Electro to be coming back, and hopefully that means the Sinister Six are coming in uh, soon. And yeah, let me know if you watch Agent Carter as well. I think that's a great underrated show, and I think you guys will really like it. Uh, please like, subscribe, listen, share, comment, email, anything <laughs> you can, if you can. I'd really appreciate it. Uh, wear your mask, you know, be safe, and do what you love, guys. Thank you. Goodbye.